Bibles. I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning, or if you, uh, or if you choose to, you will see that on the screen before you as well, on the video screen, to the Gospel, to Matthew chapter 4. St. Matthew chapter 4, and we will begin reading verse 18 through the end of that chapter, which is uh, down through verses 25. Amen. Hallelujah. And as you do that... <coughs> I read a story about a boy. Well, this is the concluding uh, time for football season now. Uh, as, as we know, and teams are gearing up for the playoffs, all of the, uh, the college and the high school uh, teams, they have all concluded their seasons as well. We have many uh, football fans that are in the house today. Don't go screaming out any contrary team's names, but you, if not the usher, will take care of that business. But I read this story about a boy who wore his uh, football team's, uh, uh, favorite football team's jersey every day for four years. But what he did was he saved his money up uh, just so that he'd be able to buy a few and he got his parents to go and get these several jerseys that he would be able to wear every day of the week. And he did that so that he could rotate them during the week and he could have a clean jersey to wear every day. What a nice young man. Yes. <laughs> For four years he did that. Four years. 1,581 days straight. He donned a jersey of his hero, who was the team's quarterback. So week after week and day after day, month after month, and school year after school year, this kid's classmates didn't have to wonder who this young man admired. His friends in his neighborhood didn't have to wonder. And anybody that saw this young man constantly did not have to wonder who he admired because when they looked at him, they saw the quarterback. I, we, we, we're here and we're focused on Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and let's, let's just stay there. But just thinking now that perhaps in some way, that's what the Apostle Paul meant in the book of Romans chapter 13 when he says for us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Some things we should have on, there should always be something about us that wherever we are, wherever we go, there's going to be something unusual and something that sticks out about you, that sets you apart from everybody else. You have that peace, you have that calmness, you have that image of the Lord on the inside of you. You have the spirit of the greater one on the inside of you. Yes. Perhaps that's what Jesus expects from us who accept his offer to follow him. Yes. He wants us to be separated from the world. He wants us to be able to follow him so close that we become in the world what Jesus was and is in this world. As he is, so are we supposed to be in this world, people of God. But now perhaps this is a contradiction and 
uh, not the compliment that many believers would want. Oh, there's a, there, there's a Christian, oh, there goes a Christian, and sometimes even, you know, people of God will downplay their salvation experience. But is there really a great contradiction between what we say we believe and how we behave? That is the question. Is there a contradiction to what you believe and, what you be, and how you behave? So now everybody knew this young man who was following, uh, uh, they knew who he was following because of the jersey that he wore and because of his outward, his external garments. Yeah, are you one of those people that wherever you go, people know you by your external garments? Uh, or do they know you about what you have on the inside of you? So the question is, then how do we wear the garments of following the Lord Jesus Christ, people of God? How are we identified as his followers, if you will, as his children? But perhaps one of the shortcomings that we have made in the church is that we have labored with good intentions to get people within the four walls of the church only to question later if they've got the church in them. And I know there's been a few times too when some folk have come through and you know, they, they say they got it. But then when you look and you see, you say, I don't know if they got it in them. Perhaps we have good intentions. And perhaps we have even here that we've put a greater emphasis on membership in the church and not made discipleship in the Lord Jesus Christ the real goal. And that's we all, what, what all of us should strive to be, are disciples of Christ. So my question to you, are you more in tune to membership or discipleship? So this present day culture that we live in it settles for memberships very easily because we know, quote unquote, that membership has its privileges and membership is not as costly as being a disciple of the Lord is, people of God. But discipleship has a greater responsibility and discipleship costs you everything where membership only costs you something. So for us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is really more than membership, people of God. To follow the Lord is about discipleship. To be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is more than having a place where you have a privilege and a position. Hmm, hello. Yeah, discipleship is about surrendering your life to the Lord and then serving as a testimony of who you are in Christ. Now, this is not about having your way. It's about having the Lord's way, allowing him to have his way in your life, people of God. That means we have to live faithfully and reflectively in the spirit of Christ in everything that we do. Hello, I know I said a lot there. But Jesus didn't come so that people could have membership in the church. He came that there might be disciples in the kingdom of God that would saturate the church with disciple makers. How many of you in here with purpose in your heart that you want to be a disciple, that you are a disciple and that you want to be a disciple maker for the Lord? So here's a takeaway from everything that I've said so far. Discipleship is being who Jesus would be 
if he were you in this world? Hmm. You think about that. We don't change the world by going to church, believe it or not. We change the world by being the church. Not only in the physical building, but on the outside, on the four walls of the church as well. We are the church. So this is the, the text that we have before us today. Jesus asked four men, and we're going to look at those in just a minute. And he said to them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So that tells me it's more, it's, it, it's more than membership, people of God. Jesus wasn't inviting these four men to join the church. He was preparing them to be the church. So whenever the call, is there anyone today, when we do that at the end of the service, when we give the altar call for those, you know, and we go through all of those steps and all of that. So when we call for membership, it's not just to be a member, but it's calling for you to be the church. And we really have to be mindful that we want to be the church. So the Lord was not aiming at membership, but he was aiming at a movement that would be a ministry and do ministry with a message. And whenever we're out in public, wherever we are, whether you're in, you know, your, your, your favorite coffee shop or your favorite grocery store, your favorite clothing store, even when you pull up to the toll booth and before you give the toll taker your money, mm -hmm. how about just doing a little ministry with the message that Jesus loves you? So here we are here in verse 18, and we're going to look at the, uh, the A portion of that. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. And then we're going to drop down to verse 21a. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. In a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. So as Jesus did not use or choose us, because of who we are. He chose these men because he saw something in them. He saw something in them that, that they, at that particular time, did not see in themselves. Jesus didn't just choose you because he liked the smell of your perfume or the way you wore your hair or the way you talked or any of those things. He chose us because he loves us so much and he chose he chose us because of what we can become it's all about becoming more of what the lord wants us to be but these four men they were just fishermen they were just simple men they were common men and they were engaged in doing common things just as so many of us do throughout the course of the day you know on our jobs we do common things and there is something in each and every one of us who are here today from the oldest to the youngest that if we continue to follow the Lord, we too will become more than what we are. It's about becoming more than who we are and more than what we are, people of God. A great man of God once said that the real tragedy of Judas was not that he betrayed the Lord Jesus, the real tragedy was that he would not let Jesus use him for a greater good. And we all have to be available to be used for a greater good by our Lord. Amen. I'm preaching to you this morning. So now I have a question for you this morning. 
Have you resisted allowing the Lord to bring out the best in you? Don't put your hands up now. You're going to end up on TV. Don't put your hands up. But that is a question that I think all of us should ask of ourselves. Have you resisted allowing the Lord to bring out the best in you? Jesus takes us just as we are so that he can make us what he wants us to be. So then he took these four fishermen and, 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 and he took them in, in the status in which they were. He didn't tell them what they were doing was bad. He didn't say, well, you're just a fisherman. Ew, I don't like fish. He didn't do any of that. He didn't tell them what they were doing was not needed. He just said, as he looked at these four men and as he called them, he said, but I can make you fishers of men. Jesus said to them, if you would accept this invitation, your life will have changed and your life will be enhanced and your future will be brighter and your presence will be more precious. Your past will be in the rearview mirror of life. And I'm going to lay out a path before you that if you would follow me, I'm going to take you to another level that you have never seen before in your life. So then, the people of God, the record is very clear that those that accepted the invitation from Jesus, listen to this, things got better. And because we have accepted the invitation, because we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, things, hallelujah, have got to be better and will be better for all of us. There is a brighter day ahead. And I heard the phrase go forth even before the message began, I see victory. The question was asked, what do you see? I see victory. The record's very clear when we, if your mind would go back to the book of St. John chapter 8, you don't have to turn there. There was a woman at the well who became an evangelist and she drew that whole town of Samaria to Jesus. All she did was accept Jesus as her living fountain of life. Things change for the better in your life when you accept the Lord. When you accept him as healer, what do you think happens? You get healed. When you accept him as Jehovah Jireh, what do you think happens? He becomes your provider. Hallelujah. However you accept the Lord is who he becomes. When you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he is Lord over every area of your life. He chooses us because of what we can become. Now here in this book of St. Matthew, the same book that we're reading from, there was a thief on the cross who himself inherited paradise. You remember that? There was a persecutor of the church who became a pastor and the founder of New Testament churches. His name was Paul. When people accept the Lord Jesus, they become what the Lord wants them to be. There was a blind man in the scripture who ultimately received his sight because he believed and he received the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And people of God, Jesus sees something in you. 
He sees more than you see in yourself. Wow. Is that possible for us when we look in the mirror and we say, oh, you're looking good this morning? Mm -hmm. You got it going on this morning? You look wonderful even if you're wearing somebody else's glasses. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. But do you see on the inside of you? Do you see the greater one on the inside of you? Who do you see and what do you see? Jesus sees something in you more than you can see in yourself. So let him make you what he sees. And if you're like me, probably that's one of the, uh, the things that probably cause you some angst because when you know you're looking good and, and somebody will walk up to you and they'll say, oh, come here a minute. Come, 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 come here a minute. Say, I, I, I have to do something. I gotta fix something. What do you need to fix? I'm good, I'm looking good. I looked in the mirror, I've checked myself out. You know, I'm looking good. And you look and you know, you got your left foot on, your left shoe on your right foot, and you got your right foot on your left foot. Or if you're a younger person, you know, you got your shirt buttoned up the wrong way. Or you have on one color shoe, one black shoe, one brown shoe, whatever, or a piece of lint on you, or whatever it may be. But let the Lord make you what he sees. So these men, when they came to Jesus, they had to drop their nets and follow the Lord. People of God, to follow Jesus requires that you drop some things as well. You've got to let go of some things that may hinder you in following the Lord Jesus. So now these men were fishermen and they had symbols, okay? Their nets were symbols of their priorities, but they were also uh, a symbol and a necessary means for them to get their provision. So Jesus said, but you've got to let go to be my disciples and to follow me. And he's saying, in effect, that these things can't coexist with me. Follow me, and I'll make everything come out right for you, just like the scripture says in Psalm 103. So in order for us to be his disciples, people of God, we've got to drop that which gets in the way of our discipleship. Oh. Everybody said they wanted to be disciples. You've got to drop your will and learn to accept the will of our Lord. You've got to drop your way of thinking and accept the Lord's thoughts. In other words, you've got to drop your net. So my question to you is, what in your net needs to be dropped? Hello. I know we all have got some things. We think we're pretty good and, you know, no skeletons in my closet, um, not carrying any excess baggage and all of that. But what in your net needs to be dropped, people of God? Whatever you give up, he gives you what you need to replace that which you gave up. He gives you the ability to learn and to lean on him. He gives you the ability to trust in him. He gives you the ability to have patience in him. Oh, it's more than being a member in, in membership on this morning, people of God. It's about discipleship. It's about following the Lord Jesus because you believe that he is taking you somewhere that you could never go on your own. 
I use the expression, the expression, excuse me, quite a bit. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Well, it might take us a little time to get there, but the, the Lord, he is the pilot. He's driving. He's in the driver's seat. But we have to know that the Lord is taking us somewhere. He's taking us exactly where he wants us to be. So the Bible says that those who were casting their net straightway followed the Lord. And those who were mending their nets immediately followed Jesus. Oh, Jesus sees something in you. And Jesus invites you to let him bring out the best in you. Are you willing to do that going forward, people of God? Jesus invites you to let him take you to a deeper level of faith and a deeper level of living in him. Glory be to God. Again, he sees something in you. He sees that you can grow if you continue to walk with him, people of God. He sees that you can be a blessing to others if you continue to follow him and to live, let him live in you. But you've got to be willing to follow the Lord. Are you with me this morning, people of God? You've got to put your hand in his hand like we used to say at the old church. You've got to give him your heart. You've got to pull all of your trust and wait on Jesus. These four men, Peter and James and John and Andrew, became witnesses for Jesus. They acted just like Jesus. They loved just like Jesus. They lived just like the Lord. They made others be just like Jesus. Are you willing to do that in your own life, people of God? Follow me, Jesus said. He didn't say take a course of evangelism. He didn't say study this book, go to that seminar, or practice this technique. He simply said, if you hang out with me, I'm going to be changing you. And invariably and inevitably, you'll become more like me. You too will become a fisher of men. Now notice back here in verse 18, what Peter was doing when he was called. Peter was casting his net into the sea because if you know anything about the history of Peter, if you studied him, he was big, he was tall, he was strong, he was bodacious, and he had a loud mouth. And he was willing to do and say whatever had to be done. Peter, he was casting his net into the sea because Peter was bold and evangelistic in his orientation. That was his natural makeup. He was bold and evangelistic. And ultimately, on that day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered together in the book of Acts in the upper room, it was Peter who preached that sermon. And as a result of all of that, 3,000 souls were saved and caught up in Peter's glorious net of the gospel. Glory be to God. But now John, on the other hand, he wasn't casting nets, but he was mending them when Jesus called him. John, who would later become the apostle of love, if you will, would go on to write all of the epistles, all the letters that would mend the church and help mend and heal people. And I believe the Holy Spirit inspired these events to illustrate to all of us how the disciples' eventual ministries uh, reflected what they had already been doing in the natural realm, on your job, whatever you're doing. That should reflect your ministry. Yes. 
your ministry would, should reflect everywhere you are. God has a way of turning the natural into the supernatural through his grace and for his glory. Hallelujah. Scripture here, and I'm going to read it for you. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So notice the order of things here. First, teaching was first. Then there was preaching. And finally, there was healing. Teaching consists of laying down principles and precepts. Preaching is for the purpose of stimulating and proclaiming. But healing is a manifestation. It is the outworking of teaching and preaching of your faith in Almighty God. Verse 24, and his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Jesus was concerned about all of those that were demonized, those who were paralyzed, and those who were hurting. But get this, Jesus healed them all. Verse 25, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. So now these towns were named here. They covered a 100 mile radius around. And people would literally walk hundreds of miles just to see Jesus. Wasn't any Uber back in those days, young people. Weren't any SUVs back in those days, young people. Weren't any Mercedes Benzes back in those days, everybody. So the next time, people of God, you are tempted to complain about your long trip to church, remember verse 25. Hallelujah. <laughs> remember verse 25. I'm closing with this. People of God, time is a precious commodity. It's priceless. It's a precious commodity, people of God. And that just tells me that time should never be wasted. No one knows when his or her time is up. So it's imperative to make the most of the time that we've been granted. Time that is spent can never be used again. And you say, oh, if I could just go back in time, if I could just revisit time. You may be able to do that in your mind, but physically, you cannot do that. And chronologically, you cannot do that. But you know what, people of God? I think it's just so encouraging to know that we don't have to be super-duper saints to be used by Jesus. Some people will say, well, I got to get my life, you know, I'm working, you know, 18 hours a day, 24 hours a day, I don't have time for this. And when I get myself together, then I'm going to think about serving the Lord. But you don't have to be a super, I know I wasn't a super duper saint. But Jesus may not make you a fisher of men if you're not in the fishing business. But your business, your occupation. Whatever you are engaged in, people of God, whether you're a business person, businessman, businesswoman, whatever you do, if you're in a 
If you're an educator, whatever it is, if you're a student, an elementary school student, a college student, whatever you may be doing, if you're in the daycare business, whatever business you're engaged in, the Lord can use you. Whatever your talent may be, if you will give it over to the Lord, he can use it for his glory. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.